0: So uh, my boys got into it the other day, uh, they're three and five, that's their ages, not, not their names, it's, it's Micah and, and Eli, but, but anyways, it was, it was early in the morning the other day, and, and they were up way before they were ever supposed to be awake, and, and they had snuck into each other's bedrooms and, and started roughhousing. And My wife and I are are still in bed, and we can hear them through the baby monitor that's right next to us. and And there's some yelling, but that's common. It, it's nothing to be too concerned about. and And we're there thinking, uh, all right, which one of us is gonna get out of bed and and break them up and get this day started? And we're kind of playing tag, right? No, it's you. No, I did it last time. It's you. It's you. It's you. Okay, truth be told, I was, I was still pretty much asleep, but I, I could fog, I had this foggy idea of what was happening around me. And, and then through the monitor, we, we just heard silence. And we we're like, okay, fighting, fighting stopped, we can take our time, go make a pot of coffee, get this day started. And then we heard our oldest son through the monitor say, let me kiss it, it'll feel better uh-oh. <laughs> and then it was just silent for a long time. And and if you're a parent, then you know that, that sometimes silence is the scariest sound that there is. And then we heard this little voice of our youngest say, I just want my mommy, which is like, you know, code red, level five alarm, because that boy would never say something like that unless something was seriously wrong. Uh, so Jenny jumps out of bed and runs into their room and finds blood everywhere. That our youngest son, Eli, has blood coming from his head, down his neck, down his shoulders, his back. There's blood all over the floor and I stumble into the room just a couple moments later, and, and I see this look in my boy's eyes. that's just sheer terror. They're, they're so afraid. And so, you know, we, we try to stop the bleeding and, and find out where the battle wound is. And then I start interrogating the oldest child. Turns out that they had gotten uh, belts out of their closet and decided to sword fight with them, which is bad enough as, as it is, I, I know, but, but they weren't holding on to the buckle end, that that was on the other end, and they were whipping each other with the buckle. Anyways, one of the buckles hit uh, the youngest one in the back of the head, gave him a good little nick, and blood started pouring out everywhere. And so the oldest one, being uh, trying to be as sweet and responsible as he could for a five-year-old, grabbed his blankie and put it against uh, the youngest one's uh, the back of his head to try to stop the bleeding and kept saying, like, I'll kiss it, it'll be all okay. But really what they needed was a parent to show up and let them know that it was all going to be all right because they were so scared in that moment. They tried to fix the problem on their own, but what they really needed was mom and dad to come. And so when we did come, we let them know that, that even though they're still scared, even though there's, there's still a problem, there's still tears, there's still blood, e- even though there's, there's still a problem, that, that we are here with them now, that everything's going to be all right. That even though there's still a problem, we're here. There's no need to worry. And so that 's what I want to talk to us about today is well, not my parenting fail of trying to raise two young boys, uh, but but that thought that that those moments that even though you 're still scared, e- even though there's there's still a problem that somehow when someone shows up on the scene, everything begins to change that, that suddenly there 's this peace, this assurance that everything will be all right. Even though there's still a problem, our perspective changes in the middle of the problem. And so I want us to take a look at a story from Second uh, Kings chapter 6. And, and this might be a familiar story to you. It, it might not. It's sort of a strange uh, story. I've been really into strange stories in the Bible recently. Um, but this comes from Second Kings chapter 6. And, and let me give you uh, just a little bit of a background a, about this. So there's an Old Testament prophet named Elisha, and uh, he's, he's a prophet in Israel, and he's kind of working with the king of Israel at the time. And there's another nation called uh, the Arameans, and they are attacking uh, Israel. But the prophet Elijah has all of these like crazy powers and abilities uh, that God has given him to perform miracles. But one thing, apparently, that Elijah can do is that he's able to read minds, that he's actually able to read the king of Aram's mind. And so um, whenever the Arameans are, are trying to attack the Israelites, uh, Elijah tips off the king of Israel, and and they move camp, and and the Arameans can can never uh, catch them because Elijah uh, has this you know like God given uh, radio decoder ability to kind of tip off um, his king and save his people. And so the king of Aram, the enemy of Israel, he finds out about this, and he gets really frustrated uh, because he learns that that Elisha can actually read his thoughts from his bedroom, uh, which. Which is a, a pretty wild thing, and so the king of, uh, of Aram says this 2nd uh, Kings chapter 6, verse 13. He said, The king of Aram said, Go and find out where he Elisha is, then I will send men to capture him. They told him. He is in Dothan. Okay, so just, just pause here and, and see the irony and kind of the stupidity in this story. So if Elijah can read the king's mind, then why in the world would he announce out loud he knows where he is, he's in Dothan, and now he's going to send his men to capture him. Anyways, it goes on. Uh, verse 14 he says, uh, so the king sent horses and chariots there with a strong army. They came at night and surrounded the city. Elisha's servant got up early and went out. He saw an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. His servant said to Elisha, oh no. <laughs> I love that. uh <laughs> oh, uh-oh. oh, oh no. If I was him, I, I might use some, some stronger language and, and maybe he did, but they just didn't put it down in the Bible. But he says, oh, oh no, master, what will we do? What will we do? And just imagine this. He woke up to a world that was far different from the one that he went asleep to. That when he went to sleep, all, all was good, but when he woke up, Nothing was at at all. And maybe we've had that kind of experience over the last couple of months. That when I went to sleep, I was safe. But when I woke up, I was surrounded. Maybe not by an enemy, but but by this invisible virus thing and this, this fear, this threat. That when I went to sleep, I had a job. When I woke up, I didn't. When, when I went to sleep, my, my small business was, was doing okay. We were making it. When I woke up, we had to close our doors. When I went to sleep, I, I had a church to come to. When I woke up, I didn't. Oh, no. Oh, no. What shall we do? I'm, I'm scared. We, we have a problem that we cannot fix On our own. And so look at what Elijah says to him. First thing he says is is something not to do. What what shall we do? And the first thing Elijah says is is don't do this. Because sometimes the the first place that we need to start in fixing a problem is knowing what not to do. And so uh, it says, verse 16 Elijah said, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What's the plan, Elisha? Don't be afraid. What? That's, that's your plan. (laughs) Don't, don't be afraid. We're, we're surrounded. How do I don't be afraid in a moment like this? And then this is just remarkable. What he says, don't be afraid. Elisha said, because there are more of us than there are of them. Huh? I mean, there's, there's just two of us. There's, there's you, and there's me. One, two, and there's one, two, three, four, five, six. There, there's, there's all of them. What, what do you mean that there's, there's more of us than there are of them? And then look at this in verse 17. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. That's our prayer today. that that eyes would be opened so that we could see what God would have us to see. Goes on, he says, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw that the mountain was full of horses and fiery chariots surrounding Elisha. And what's just amazing is that when Elisha prayed, help didn't come because help was already there. That's why Elisha prays for his servant's eyes to be open so that he may see what he sees. That's the reason why Elisha doesn't go running away when he knows beforehand that the king of Aram is coming after to attack him. Help didn't show up, help was already there and he just needed his servant to be able to see what he was seeing. It's a prayer of a, a change in perspective. You see, the servant is, is asking for protection. Oh no, what shall we do? But Elisha prays for perspective. Lord, open his eyes. God, show him that, that you are already here. And you know, I I can't help but think that that in a time like this, is that's what our prayer needs to be. God, open our eyes. Help us to see that that there are more with us than there are against us. That there's there's an angel army of of doctors and nurses and, and paramedics and technicians and aides that are surrounding us, that are for us and with us. That God's working through them. And, and there's so many that, that we don't typically see. And we often overlook, like farmers and drivers and, and janitors, cashiers, teachers. There are more for us than there are against us. And you know, sometimes, sometimes when our perspective is limited, that's when God's limitless power is proven the most, that God is doing the most sometimes when I feel it the least, that even when when I don't see it, God, you're working. Lord, open my eyes. Help me lift my eyes up to the hills from where my help comes from. It's a simple prayer of perspective, but when eyes are opened, hearts are changed Fears melt and faith matures. God changes the focus. God changes the perspective. And and it doesn't mean that there's nothing to be afraid of. It, It doesn't mean that there's not still a problem. But even when you're still scared, God shows up on the scene. Says, I'm here. We got this. It'll all be okay no matter how it turns out the servant's eyes are open to see God surrounding him. I'm here with you. It'll be okay now. It doesn't mean that there's not still a problem. Just that the perspective has changed. It doesn't mean that they don't need a plan that just because you're surrounded by an army of angels doesn't mean that you can just go and take a nap. They got to find their way out of this. But what's amazing is that Elisha didn't pray for God to just eliminate the enemy. Instead, what Elisha prayed for was that God's presence would be illuminated. God, Elisha didn't pray that, that God would just take care of the problem, eliminate the enemy, but he prayed that God's presence would be illuminated. Lord, open my eyes. Yeah, I'm still scared. But if I can just see that you've shown up, I know that all will be well. And this is a great lesson for us because I think it teaches us that, that faith is not just some some lever that we pull and we say, God take care of the problem. God, God, make it stop. But instead, it's a lens through which we see so clearly. See, God is here with us. God is already here. There's still a problem. We still need a plan, but the first thing we need is to have our perspective changed, to see that there are more for us than there are against us, to know that God is with us, even if our circumstances do not change. And so what happens next in the story is that after Elijah reassures his servant that that there is this army of angels with them, Elijah asks this army of angels to, to strike the Arameans blind, which I know might sound a little harsh and and strange and maybe even violent, but, but it has a good ending. Okay. So um, the Arameans, the army of the Arameans are struck blind. And so they go stumbling right into Israelite territory and they become surrounded by the King of Israel and all of his army. So, so catch this the people who came to attack and surround this man of God now find themselves surrounded and ready to be attacked. But Elisha shows up on the scene and the king of Israel is there and he's got all these Aramaeans in captivity and he says, Elisha, what shall we do? Should we kill him? And Elisha says, no, you have no right to do that. Instead, what you should do, give them something to drink. Give them something to eat. Throw, throw them a party, bless them, and set them free. And that's exactly what they did. And as it turns out, the king of Aram never attacked Israel again. You know, sometimes God changes the situation, but sometimes God changes me and no matter what happens, God always changes our perspective. And so our prayer for all of us today is that simple and that bold prayer, Lord, please open my eyes, help us to see that that you are for us. And if God is for us, then who could possibly stand against us? God with me is, is greater than anything that I could face. Friends, hear that, that you, you're not alone. That even if you're still scared, God is with you. And so I want to end with, with these words from Philippians chapter four. I, I think they're just so encouraging. Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let me pray for us. So, God, thank you. Thank you for always being with us wherever we are. God, even if we are still scared, open our eyes. Help us to see all that is good and pure and beautiful and admirable and praiseworthy and excellent. Help us to fix our focus on that and that you are here with us. May we lift our eyes up to the hills to know that you, God, are strength comes from you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.